Section 8 of the World's Famous Orations, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. The World's Famous Orations, Volume 4. On the Horrors of the Slave Trade, 1789, by William Wilberforce. Born 1759, died 1833. Elected to Parliament in 1780. Began to agitate against slavery in 1787. Secured its abolition in 1807. In opening concerning the nature of the slave trade, I need only observe that it is found by experience to be just such as every man who uses his reason would infallibly conclude it to be. For my own part, so clearly am I convinced of the mischiefs inseparable from it, that I should hardly want any further evidence that my own mind would furnish, by most simple deductions. Facts, however, are now laid before the House. A report has been made by His Majesty's Privy Council, which I trust every gentleman has read, and which ascertains the slave trade to be just as we know. What would we suppose most naturally? be the consequence of our carrying on a slave trade with africa with a country vast in its extent not utterly barbarous but civilized in a very small degree does any one suppose a slave trade would help their civilization is it not plain that she must suffer from it that civilization must be checked that her barbarous manners must be made more barbarous and that the happiness of her millions of inhabitants must be prejudiced with her intercourse with britain does not every one see that a slave trade carried on round her coasts must carry violence and desolation to her very centre that in a continent just emerging from barbarism if a trade in men is established if her men are all converted into goods and become commodities that can be bartered it follows that they must be subject to ravage just as gods are and this too at a period of civilization when there is no protecting legislature to defend this their only sort of property in the same manner as the rights of property are maintained by the legislature of every civilized country we see then in the nature of things how easily the practices of africa are to be accounted for her kings are never compelled to war that we can hear of by public principles by national glory still less by the love of their people in europe it is the extension of commerce the maintenance of national honor or some great public object that is ever the motive to war with every monarch but in africa it is the personal avarice and sensuality of their kings these two vices of avarice and sensuality the most powerful and predominant in natures thus corrupt we tempt we stimulate all these african princes and we depend upon these vices for the very maintenance of the slave trade does the king of barbicin want brandy he has only to send his troops in the night-time to burn and desolate a village the captives will serve as commodities that may be bartered with the british trader the slave trade in its very nature is the source of such kind of tragedies nor has there been a single person almost before the privy council 
who does not add something to his testimony to the mass of evidence upon this point. Some indeed of these gentlemen, and particularly the delegates from Liverpool, have endeavored to reason down this plain principle. Some have palliated it, but there is not one, I believe, who does not more or less admit it. Some, nay most, I believe, have admitted the slave trade to be the chief cause of wars in Africa. Having now disposed of the first part of this subject, I must speak of the transit of the slaves to the West Indies. This, I confess, in my own opinion, is the most wretched part of the whole subject. So much misery condensed in so little room is more than the human imagination had ever before conceived. I will not accuse the Liverpool merchants. I will allow them, nay, I will believe them to be men of humanity, and I will therefore believe, if it were not for the multitude of these wretched objects, if it were not for the enormous magnitude and extent of the evil which distracts their attention from individual cases, and makes them think generally, and therefore less feelingly, on the subject, they never would have persisted in the trade. I verily believe, therefore, if the wretchedness of any one of the many hundred negroes stowed in each ship could be brought before their view, and remain within the sight of the African merchant, that there is no one among them whose heart would bear it. Let any one imagine to himself six or seven hundred of these wretches chained two and two, surrounded by every object that is nauseous and disgusting, diseased and struggling under every kind of wretchedness. How can we bear to think of such a scene as this? One would think it had been determined to heap on them all the varieties of bodily pain, for the purpose of blunting the feelings of the mind. And yet, in this very point, to show the power of human prejudice, the situation of the slaves has been described by Mr. Norris, one of the Liverpool delegates, in a manner which I am sure will convince the House how interest can draw a film over the eyes, so thick that total blindness could do no more, and how it is our duty, therefore, to trust not to the reasonings of interested men, nor to their way of coloring a transaction. Their apartments, says Mr. Norris, are fitted up as much for their advantage as circumstances will admit. The right ankle of one, indeed, is connected with the left ankle of another by a small iron fetter, and if they are turbulent, by another on their wrists. They have several meals a day, some of their own country's provisions, with the best sauces of African cookery, and by the way of variety, another meal of pulse, etc., according to European taste. After breakfast, they have water to wash themselves, while their apartments are perfumed with frankincense and lime juice. Before dinner, they are amused after the manner of their country. The song and the dance are promoted, and as if the whole were really a scene of pleasure and dissipation, it is added that the games of chance are furnished. The men play and sing, while the women and girls make fanciful ornaments with beads, with which they are plentifully supplied. Such is the sort of strain in which the Liverpool delegates, and particularly Mr. Norris, gave evidence before the Privy Council. What will the House think when, by the concurring testimony of other witnesses, the true history is laid open? The slaves, who are sometimes described as rejoicing at their captivity, are so wrung with misery at leaving their country that it is the constant practice to set sail in the night, lest they should be sensible of their departure. 
the pulse which mr norris talks of are horse beans and the scantiness of both water and provision was suggested by the very legislature of jamaica in the report of their committee to be a subject that called for the interference of parliament mr norris talks of frankincense and lime juice when the surgeons tell you the slaves are stored so close that there is not room to tread among them and when you have it in evidence from sir george young that even in a ship which wanted two hundred of her complement the stench was intolerable the song and the dance are promoted says mr norris it had been more fair perhaps if he had explained the word promoted the truth is that for the sake of exercise these miserable wretches loaded with chains oppressed with disease and wretchedness are forced to dance by the terror of the lash and sometimes by the actual use of it i says one of the other evidences was employed to dance the men while another person danced the women such then is the meaning of the word promoted and it may be observed too with respect to food that an instrument is sometimes carried out in order to force them to eat which is the same sort of proof how much they enjoy themselves in that instance also as to their singing what shall we say when we are told their songs are songs of lamentation upon their departure which while they sing are always in tears insomuch that one captain more humane as i should conceive him therefore than the rest threatened one of the women with a flogging because the mournfulness of her son was too painful for his feelings in order however not to trust too much to any sort of description i will call the attention of the house to one species of evidence which is absolutely infallible death at least is a sure ground of evidence that the proportion of deaths will not only confirm but if possible will even aggravate our suspicion of their misery in the transit it will be found upon the average of all ships of which evidence has been given at the privy council that exclusive of those who perish before they sail not less than twelve and one-half per cent perish in the passage besides these the jamaica report tells you not less than four and one-half per cent die on shore before the day of sale which is only a week or two from the time of landing one-third more die in the season and this in a country exactly like their own where they are healthy and happy as some of the evidences would pretend the diseases however which they contract on shipboard the astringent washes which are to hide their wounds and the mischievous tricks used to make them up for sale as the jamaica report says a most precious and valuable report which i shall often have to advert to one principal cause of this mortality upon the whole however here is a mortality of about fifty per cent and this among negroes who are not bought unless quite healthy at first and unless as the phrase is with cattle they are sound in mind and limb when we consider the vastness of the continent of africa when we reflect how all other countries have for some centuries past been advancing in happiness and civilization when we think how in this same period all improvement in africa has been defeated by her intercourse with britain when we reflect that it is we ourselves that have degraded them to that wretched brutishness and barbarity which we now plead as the justification of our guilt how the slave trade has enslaved their minds blackened their character and sunk them so low in the scale of animal beings 
that some think the apes are of a higher class and fancy the orangutang has given them the go-by what a mortification must we feel at having so long neglected to think of our guilt or attempt any reparation it seems indeed as if we had determined to forbear from all interference until the measure of our folly and wickedness was so full and complete until the impolicy which eventually belongs to vice was become so plain and glaring that not an individual in the country should refuse to join in the abolition it seems as if we had waited until the person most interested should be tried out with the folly and nefariousness of the trade and should unite in petitioning against it let us then make amends as we can for the mischiefs we have done to the unhappy continent let us recollect what europe itself was no longer ago than three or four centuries what if i should be able to show his house that in a civilized part of europe in the time of our henry the seventh there were people who actually sold their own children what if i should tell them that england itself was that country what if i should point out to them that the very place where this inhuman traffic was carried on was the city of bristol ireland at that time used to drive a considerable trade in slaves with these neighboring barbarians but a great plague having infested the country the irish were struck with a panic suspected i am sure very properly that the plague was a punishment sent from heaven for the sin of the slave trade and therefore abolished it all i ask therefore of the people of bristol is that they would become as civilized now as irishmen were four hundred years ago let us put an end at once to this inhuman traffic let us stop this effusion of human blood the true way to virtue is by withdrawing from temptation let us then withdraw from these wretched africans those temptations to fraud violence cruelty and injustice which the slave trade furnishes wherever the sun shines let us go round the world with him diffusing our benevolence but let us not traffic only that we may set kings against their subjects subjects against their kings sowing discord in every village fear and terror in every family setting millions of our fellow-creatures a-hunting each other for slaves creating fairs and markets for human flesh through one whole continent of the world and under the name of policy concealing from ourselves all the baseness and inequity of such a traffic it will appear from everything which i have said that it is not regulation it is not mere palliatives that can cure this enormous evil total abolition is the only possible cure for it the jamaica report indeed admits much of the evil but recommends it to us so to regulate the trade that no person should be kidnapped or made slaves contrary to the custom of africa but may they not be made slaves unjustly and yet by no means contrary to the custom of africa i have shown they may for all the customs of africa are rendered savage and unjust through the influence of this trade besides how can we discriminate between the slaves justly and unjustly made or if we could does any man believe that the british captains can by any regulation in this country be prevailed upon to refuse all such slaves as have not been fairly honestly and uprightly enslaved 
but granting even that they should do this yet how would the rejected slaves be recompensed they are brought as we are told from three or four thousand miles off and exchanged like cattle from one hand to another until they reach the coast we see then that it is the existence of the slave trade that is the spring of all this internal traffic and that the remedy cannot be applied without abolition and sir when we think of eternity and of the future consequences of all human conduct what is there in this life that should make any man contradict the dictates of his conscience the principles of justice the laws of religion and of god sir the nature and all the circumstances of this trade are now laid open to us we can no longer plead ignorance we cannot evade it it is now an object placed before us we cannot pass it we may spurn it we may kick it out of our way but we cannot turn aside so as to avoid seeing it for it is brought now so directly before our eyes that this house must decide and must justify to all the world and to their own consciences the rectitude of the grounds and principles of their decision. End of section 8